Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Michael Calderon Show. We're so glad you could join us this Saturday morning, Saturday, October 7th. And it's 11 a.m. here on the East Coast. Uh, I know some of our listeners are in parts of Europe, the Middle East, and of course on the West Coast of the United States. Um, so we want to thank them for joining us as well. Um, we have a great show today. And, uh, you know, this past week and past couple of weeks, actually, has been filled with um, with some horrible tragedies. Uh, of course, we're, we're still seeing the aftermath of uh, hurricanes Irma and Maria. Of course, Hurricane Maria um, created some devastation in Caribbean islands, including Puerto Rico, uh, which is part of the United States. And uh, Governor Rosello this morning um, did have a news conference uh, updating everyone on the status. Uh, we know that uh, military and FEMA and law enforcement resources uh, have been sent to Puerto Rico. And uh, there's certainly there are more people with power now, uh, additional hospital beds being open and other resources. There are still people without power, many uh, people without power, uh, as well as, um, you know, uh, folks that haven't had access to drinking water and other things. So we're definitely praying for them. Um, if you want to uh, donate to the cause, there's, there are a few different uh, avenues to do that. Um, just be very careful uh, in, in the charities that you choose. Um, but again, our, our hearts and, and thoughts and prayers are going out to all those that have been impacted uh, by this tragedy. Um, and of course, also this past week, we had, uh, unfortunately, um, uh, another tragedy that occurred in Las Vegas uh, with, with a mass shooting there. And, uh, you know, Stephen Paddock has been identified as the suspect in that in that killing and, uh, you know, over 500 people injured, uh, our thoughts and prayers going out to all those as well. Uh, the death count, uh, is between 58 and 59 people. So, uh, and, and I haven't heard of any additional as of yet, but, uh, you know, Las Vegas, uh, the people of Las Vegas. And, you know, I think what was significant about this particular case too, was that, there were a lot of people attending the concert in Las Vegas that from, were from other parts of the country, uh, from Alaska, from Massachusetts. Uh, a good majority of those were from California and other places here on the East Coast. So um, thoughts and prayers going out to them as well. Um, so today's show, we have uh, we have uh, Dania Collazo, um, who is going to be talking with us about Team Daniela's Foundation uh, which was founded back in 2015. And they have a uh, upcoming event um, in the next couple of weeks. So we're going to hear about that. And we're also going to be joined by the Reverend Dr. Audrey Warren, uh, who has been the pastor of First United Methodist Church of Miami since July 2015. We're going to hear about some of the great work they're doing there as well. And um, you know, I think now is a time to really reflect on, on the positives that we can do in our community. Uh, we've had enough tragedy and devastation this past week and past couple of weeks. So, uh, you know, we're, we're going to start focusing 
on uh, on some positive areas uh, where we can make a difference. And you know, that's really the call and challenge to each and every one of you uh, when you wake up every day is how can I make a difference in this world today? How can I know? So um, we're, we're connecting Dania right now. Dania, how are you this Hi, morning? Good morning. Good morning, Thank Michael. you so how much. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. And I, I do want to give out the phone number. Uh, if any listener has a, a question or a comment, they can call 929-477-1785. Again, that's 929-477-1785. And um, the website for Team Daniela Foundation is www.teamdaniela, and that's with two L's, dot org. Um, so, Dania, let's talk about Daniela and that amazing princess that you have, um, who is you. now, uh, she's five years old. Is that correct? She just turned five years old. Yes. Wonderful. So tell us about the founding of team Daniela's foundation. It started back in, uh, my daughter was diagnosed May 30th of, uh, 2014. Um, and she was diagnosed with, uh, aggressive, childhood cancer called neuroblastoma. Um, her chances were of survival were only 40%. And, um, you know, it was devastating as parents to sit there and, and watch her child, who's only 21 months, go through a chemotherapy and not knowing if the treatment was going to take her life. Um, so that's when, you know, we, we took our tragedy and made it a positive and you know as a mother I said you know mothers need help you know because after a while fighting cancer everybody goes back to their normal life um, but you're left with payments of house and food and, and you know everything that adds on a daily basis uh, called life you know it doesn't stop because either you or a child has cancer so that's when right. we opened our organization to help families facing this that's wonderful. And, and you know, you're right. It's not just dealing with the illness, but it's everything else. I mean, uh, everything you know, else. bill collectors don't want to hear, you know, no. a member of my family is battling cancer and, you know, we have some issues going on. They don't want to hear that. Yep. So, you know, uh, it, it's always very tough. And, and you know, it, it's amazing. Uh, and we've spoken on this show many times about how God works. So, you know, um, you and I connected through, through our mutual friend, Arlene Colon, uh, who's, a, who's yeah. a great wedding and event planner. And I know she's listening. So we're giving her a shout out. And um, she's amazing. Yes, she is. She is. And, you know, at the same time that she was telling me uh, about, about your foundation and the upcoming event, um, I, through another friend, had received an email regarding a mom who is traveling to South Florida with her son, who is also coming in to undergo cancer treatment. And, yeah. and um, you know, basically the email to me was, hey, if there's anything you can do to help, you know, she really needs a bunch of resources. She's going to be here for several months. You know, she's going to need to work 
because she's going to need income. And it was just, you know, at the same time that I'm connecting with you. So I did, uh, I did forward them the information, your contact information, um, so that she can reach out to you. Sounds great. Can't wait to hear so, from her. Yeah. So thank you. So tell us about the event that, uh, that is coming up on October 23rd. So October 23rd, um, this is our second year. Um, so once you're in the hospital fighting with your family, um, you know, there's no parties, there's no birthday parties, there's pretty much nothing. So Arlene teams up with Team Daniela Foundation, and uh, she's organizing with other event planners and stuff at the ball. So we have our children who are getting cancer treatment dressed up, very nice. And they attend this ball that is done in a ballroom in the hospital. Um, and, you know, they, they get to have a good time. They get to disconnect from the chemotherapy, disconnect from pain, and just enjoy life for a couple of hours. Um, right. It's like a normal family. You know, moms get to talk to other moms. You know, cancer, but just life, you know. Yes. Just, uh, the earrings she has on and the other mom likes it is that's wonderful and um and i want to give the website again if anyone is interested in supporting the ball or supporting team daniela's childhood cancer foundation please go to the website. It's www.teamdaniela.org, and that Daniela is with two L's. And uh, the phone number is 786-362-5962. Again, that number is 786-362-5962. And please support this cause. Uh, you know, I, I uh, when we spoke earlier, I told you I'm going to be out of town on the 23rd uh, for a friend's wedding, but um, I will be there in spirit, and uh, and I hope to to be able to attend the ball next year, and Thank certainly you. you know keep me posted on upcoming events, and anytime you want to come back on the show, you know uh, you are more than more than welcome to come back on the show. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you for giving us that opportunity. Very yes, hard. absolutely. Not most, most people, no, no, not most people want to speak about childhood cancer. It's a very touchy, very touchy subject, very hurtful subject. So thank you for giving us that opportunity to do so. Yes, I, I, I know it's a very sensitive uh, subject. I've had uh, many friends uh, whose children uh, have had uh, cancer and, um, you know, I've seen it firsthand. I've seen the impact that it has on a family. I've seen the impact that it has on individuals. But I've also seen God's grace and strength in those situations. And and I have seen mm-hmm. people like yourself who are who have been strong, who continue who continue the fight to to really do what's right and to not allow you know, uh, the illness to cripple you or your family. So, yep. uh, you know, I, I, I want to a- acknowledge you and recognize you and, and your husband, Jose, 
And uh, I know that you all founded, you know, Team Daniela's Foundation with the help of Charo Bolaños, who is an attorney in Miami. Mm -hmm. I believe she's a family member of yours as well. Um, You know, and and it's an amazing... Yeah. Okay. It's, and we have yeah. we have attorneys on board. So before we make any moves, everything is turning. Um, and, and your money is your donation is going to to these families. It's it's going there. We're helping these families in a very tough situation. Um, right. You know, flights are very expensive when there's treatments when there's no longer a treatment, but there's a trial somewhere else. So I mean, it's a very good cause. We have a lot of people on board. A lot of of our team members are good. Um, and we just want to see these kids happy. We want to see them survive. We want to see them grow up and become something out of themselves. You know, it's a, it's a very tough situation to be in. Right. Right. Well, you know, any way that I can help, I'm here for you. You know how to get a hold of me. And, uh, Thank you, Michael. We appreciate it. You no, know, we will, uh, we will definitely be in touch soon. God bless you and, and your family Thank and you. the work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you, Thank so, you much. so much. Thank All right, you, Michael. wonderful. All right, wonderful. Uh, that was Daniel Collazo, and uh, she's with Team Daniela's Foundation. So, uh, big, big hug to her and her family and to her little princess, Daniela. Um, an amazing story, and, uh, and we wish her the best, uh, particularly with their ball coming up on October 23rd. Um, Switching gears slightly, we're going to be uh, moving on to our next guest, uh, Reverend Dr. Audrey Warren, who has been the pastor of First United Methodist Church of Miami since July of 2015. Uh, Pastor Audrey spent uh, her first six years in ministry at Branches United Methodist Mission in Florida City, where she met her husband and partner in ministry, Jose Luis Soto. Together, they work to make God's love known and real through music and art. Uh, We're going to hear about their project to assist homeless persons in Miami and uh, and as well as some of the other great things that that they're doing and revitalizing uh, their church. Um, She earned her Bachelor of Arts from Florida Southern College, where she majored in religion, followed by a Master's of Divinity degree from Duke Divinity School. In May of 2016, she received her Doctorate of Ministry from Wesley Theological Seminary in Washington, D.C. Audrey recently co-authored Fresh Expressions, a new kind of Methodist church for people not in church. And that was with Bishop Kenneth Carter from the Florida Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church. And uh, she's a courageous leader who is fluent in English and Spanish. And um, she also enjoys yoga. And, uh, and we're going to talk to her about some of her uh, interests. Um, so we're going to connect her now. Uh, Pastor Audrey, how are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you great. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's good to be with you all. Yes, absolutely. And um, where should we start? I'm going to leave that up to you. Yeah. And, and, and and by the way, let, let me just mention I had to, I had to uh, abbreviate your your bio, your your extensive and impressive bio. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, it's so good to be on your show, and thank you so much, Michael, for having us and giving us a platform to kind of share our story 
um, I think definitely a story of hope and um, a story of creativity. So um, it's good to be with you. Wonderful. Well, I guess we could start. I think it's kind of like an onion, um, how things kind of happen and doors open and doors close. And um, so at our church, our church is 120 years old. So wow. right after Miami was chartered, um, Flagler gave land to two churches. And one was Methodist Episcopal and one was Methodist Episcopal South. And they really were divided over the issue of slavery. Um, and then the churches united, but it wasn't until the 50s that the two churches came together when one um, was burned down by a fire. And so they built a new building on Biscayne Boulevard, if you've ever been there before, right across from Bayside, um, and that building was erected in 1981. And not only 10 years later did developers come knock on their door and ask them to move out of downtown, um, and many churches did move out of downtown, but this church continually discerned that God's mission was for them to stay downtown. Um, and at the time in the 80s, the 90s, downtown was not as glamorous as it is today. And right. so they stuck <laughs> around and... <laughs> Like many downtown churches, though, and actually many churches around the country um, have seen significant decline um, over the last 10, 15 years. And so uh, we also have a building that is coming up to be 40 years, and a large number of our membership when I arrived um, was over the age of 65. And so um, when you kind of crunch all the numbers, you can kind of say, okay, well, we might have five or ten more years to do ministry downtown, um, which is a heartache for many reasons, um, because every every community, no matter where it is, needs a church. And right. this church has seen itself as a, as a heartbeat of the community for so long, specifically with its work for the homeless. And um, specifically, the church has worked with those that are continuously and chronically homeless. So those who we see on the streets who possibly go in and out of shelters, but because of mental health issues or drug addictions, can never quite make it. Um, And so we've been serving food to those folks um, for many years. And the homeless ministry was actually started by the grandson of Dr. Jackson, who was the first doctor in Miami. And wow. Dr. Jackson's grandson, Dr. Hudson, um, had a small clinic near the church, and he would open up for a few hours on Sunday and have a small clinic for the homeless. And others really captured that spirit of charity and wanted to serve breakfast and invite the homeless into the church um, for a good meal with coffee and also a message, um, an inspirational message from Scripture. And so we've been doing that now for almost 40 years. And so we serve breakfast three mornings a week, and we call ourselves the Breakfast Club. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. So the church has been just passionately involved with downtown, has stuck downtown through thick and thin. But when we've crunched the numbers, we've realized we might not be able to be downtown much longer. And around that same time, again, developers came knocking on the door. And for years, really, the church kind of um, saw it as a black and white issue. If the developers come, then we can't have a homeless ministry, then we can't be downtown. 
Um, but there have been great models um, around the country of churches actually collaborating with developers. So oftentimes we think this big bad developer um, coming to our community, and um, but we really kind of tried to investigate ways that we could partner with a development firm. And um, so we, uh, through a very extensive process, um, we chose brokers and lawyers and then eventually chose a developer to work with, which is Property Markets Group, and um, decided they would be a good partner for us. So rather than leave and build out west, we're actually going to stay downtown. And we, from the beginning, said we want to stay downtown. We want our church to be integrated into this high-rise that you're going to build. And we want 20,000 square feet in this high-rise, and um, we want to partner with you in many ways. And so they were agreeable to that. They'll be building a high-rise, which will um, have, you know, kind of what we call attainable housing. So it'll have kind of like tiny home meets apartment, 400 square feet apartments for millennials and young professionals, um, which creates a great partner for the church. And um, so we really, and again, it's the church being in the middle of downtown, usually in communities, if you go out to Kendall, the, 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 you know, communities are very horizontal, but if you're downtown, the communities are vertical and um, they're buildings. And so really in many ways, we're right smack dab in the middle of a vertical community. And so we're excited about that. Um, when we went along this road, we really were concerned about our homeless ministry because definitely people in a building don't want 140 homeless people lining up outside for food. Right. And again, we decided let's not look at this as a black or white issue, but let's, let's try to collaborate and be creative. And that's when one of our members um, brought to us an article about mobile showers out in San Francisco. And they turned city buses into mobile showers. And so we started thinking about that for a while. And we realized, oh, no, what if, if we use these old city buses, if the bus engine breaks down, then the showers are down. So maybe we need to build a trailer of sorts. And that's when we heard about an organization in West Palm, very close to us, who actually was doing this, who had created um, a trailer six-stall shower um, for the homeless. And so we contacted them and were able to partner with them, and we bought their first trailer shower unit from them and started our shower ministry um, just last week. We launched that from the church. And so our, our plan moving forward is to have our, mobile, our homeless ministry completely mobile within the next few years. Um, and so the homeless are being moved further out west into Overtown, and Little Havana or North. And so we want to be able to follow the homeless wherever they are. And so that's really part of our story. And that's where we're, we're at today and what we're here to share with you about. Right. So essentially, um, those that are homeless, and of course the church right now is located at 400 Biscayne Boulevard in Miami. And Correct. In, in order for... For people who who are homeless that that want to take advantage of the shower, they they don't have to go anywhere because the mobile shower is coming to them. Is that the concept? That's right. Yep, that's right. Yep, and we're hoping um, in the future to connect with other churches around Miami who would like to host the homeless shower. 
Um, so we would drive it to their church, and if they serve the homeless in some capacity and would like to also offer showers, then we would drive it there, and they can help run it, and we can teach them how and offer showers to the homeless all over Miami. Um, it really is a huge piece of each of our dignity, you know. After a long day working, we all kind of smell. I'm actually in Key West today doing hurricane relief, and I'm already a bit smelly. And I know when I get home that a shower is going to make me feel like a million bucks. And um, we've tested the showers twice now, and it's just incredible to watch someone come out of the shower and, you know, wet hair and just feel clean space and feel refreshed with new undergarments, um, teeth brushed, and many come out with just the biggest smiles and huge gratitude. Um, yeah. For just, you know, what many of us take for granted, um, but really a- absolutely. is, you know, a basic human right. So. Absolutely. So, so you also give them some, some portable hygiene kits? Yeah. So every time someone comes to the shower, we have a hygiene kit we give them, which includes a razor, shampoo, conditioner, soap, lotion, and a washcloth. And they also get a new pair of underwear. And we would like to expand to give them a new, you know, white shirt and um, possibly socks. So it really depends on kind of what's donated and the funds that we have available at the time. Wow. That's amazing. And, and you know, yeah. you bring up a, a really good point. And I know this is this is something that has been you know, discussed in, uh, amongst homeless advocates, um, you know, homeless rights advocates, I should say, um, that, uh, you know, providing those who are homeless with some basic needs like a shower, um, there, there was a huge dignity piece in that, um, you know, plus the, the personal hygiene and, and even preventing, you know, illness and, and infection uh, by being able to, to take a shower. And, you know, to your point, I mean, we all at the end of a long day, particularly if we're, we're working outside, uh, we look forward to that shower. I mean, you just, yep. you know, you know, you need it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so sounds like maybe you should have Sounds like you should have taken the mobile unit to Key West with you. <laughs> right? I know. I know. One day we'll have to bring it down here for sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah it's a great, a great ministry. And I, like you said in my bio, for six years I worked at Branches, um, United Methodist Mission, which partners with Branches um, Nonprofit, which is a large nonprofit that works holistically with families. And it was such a great ministry to be a part of, to really work with a child from a young age all the way through adulthood. And and so it was kind of a shock when I moved downtown and working with people that are chronically and continuously homeless. Um, Just with kids, you see so much progress, you know, and youth, you see progress and there's a holistic kind of ministry, but um, it was very clear when I first got there that, you know, we didn't have the capacity at the church to do everything. Um, and we really, we support Chapman Partnership, which is a great homeless shelter. We support yes. Camila's House, which is a great homeless shelter. 
And, um, you know, for me, I've always wanted to kind of help and work with people holistically and just bring them to full health and wholeness. And in our ministry, which is very specific and niche, that's, that's not really our specific calling in that moment. It's to simply love and give food and be there for people um, who really are some of the those that some might consider untouchable in our society um, right. that are living with serious mental health issues and, um, you know, serious past and just to be able to show them love, to give them a bit of food, to help them, you know, get a little bit of dignity for that day um, is meaningful work. So it's been interesting for me personally to understand that, to understand that, not everyone possibly will reach a level of complete healing and wholeness in this lifetime um, mentally or physically or spiritually for whatever reason, but just that simple call to love people where they're at and to walk with them and bring them through. And so, um, you know, I think I told you before the show, Michael, that Mother Teresa said, give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day, but teach him how to fish and he'll eat for a lifetime. And she said, but sometimes you need to give a person a fish so that they can get the strength to learn how to fish. And right. I feel like that's kind of where we are, um, working really with those homeless that are most vulnerable in our community. And um, we do offer assistance during the week to help people get licenses back or birth certificates, which are huge, to get someone to kind of society. Um through jobs, through addresses, all of those things. So we are able to help in that way, and we really do hope to expand um, to having a mobile clinic that would do just simple topical care. Um, We do every year, we just did our 26th annual foot washing at the church. That's great. And we do this, yeah, every March. And um, from the first year they did it, they partnered with Barry University and their podiatry school. And so the podiatry students come out. Um, We have about 20 stations and volunteers from the community come, and the homeless come in and take off their shoes. We wash their feet, and then they wear booties and go to the podiatrist, who also um, really do all kinds of topical care to their feet. And then they get a new pair of shoes and a meal. But it's always so interesting to me and breaks my heart when I see them take off their shoes and the effect, infection that um, happened because of a cut that hasn't been dealt with, you know, or like you were saying, it hasn't been cleaned or hasn't been healed in some way. And so I think right. that that's another really um, positive thing that we could do, preventative thing for those that are most vulnerable um, and have a hard time ca- taking care of themselves at times. And then we also do hope to go and um, venture into kind of mental health work um, in some ways and really work towards cracking the nut of mental health and how we can partner with even one person on the street a year to help them find psychiatric help that's continuous um, every day, possibly if needed, to to help them get on some meds and slowly but surely um, get back to full mental capacity. So right. uh, we have big plans ahead, but we're starting, um, you know, with some showers and continuing our breakfast. So, yeah, and, um, and an you incredible know, ministry. 
Yeah, it it sounds like you guys are doing some phenomenal work. Um, you know, you mentioned Barry University and their School of Podiatry. You know, they have a phenomenal uh, school of counseling. Uh, they have a, a Master's of Mental Health Counseling program. Um, if you need me to connect you with with the program director, I'm more than happy to do that. Oh, that uh, would be wonderful. Yeah, that yeah, would be we, so great. Yeah, we, we have, um, you know, at the facility um, where I oversee, um, we have interns from uh, Barry University from their mental health counseling program and their social work program. So, um, Wonderful. You know, being that you already have an existing partnership, I think that might be a nice, uh, a nice adjunct to it. That would um, be wonderful. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you, you are a Florida native, correct? Yes, I grew up in Naples, Florida. Yeah, I grew up, so I, I love Southern Florida. <laughs> Don't send okay. me anywhere, you know, above I-75, <laughs> um, the lower part of it, <laughs> the part right. across the Everglades. <laughs> yeah, so I grew up in Naples. I love Florida, used to the hurricanes, love the heat. Um, both the basketball team and the weather. So, um, yeah, it's really become a <laughs> home. And growing up in Naples, you know, I heard my whole life, oh, my gosh, we don't want Naples to become Miami. And, you know, you grew up kind of hearing horror stories about Miami. Um, but I really, when you're a pastor, you ask, you know, you, you're in the Methodist church, you're appointed by a bishop. And I really wanted to be in Miami. I really wanted to use my Spanish um, at the time, I thought it was really good. When I got to Miami, I learned that it wasn't so great. <laughs> um, but uh, but I, I am fluent now, so my first church taught me well. I had to preach in Spanish every week there, so they were great, great teachers. Um, but I asked to go to Miami, and that's not something a lot of pastors who grow up in other parts of Florida do. Right. And they they said, okay, well, that's great, um, but there might be some other people that would want you as their associate pastor, so you might get some calls, and I got some calls from people in Tallahassee and Orlando, and I said, God, if you send me there, I'm just going to go live in South Africa <laughs> and be a right. missionary there. I really feel called to Miami. So, um, you know, praise the Lord, they did send me to Miami, and um, and I love it. So although growing up with kind of, oh, Miami, this and that, the moment I got to Miami, I absolutely loved it. Loved the culture, loved the music, loved the people, um, loved the chaos, loved the urgency and vibrancy of life um, that I feel in Miami. So it's been a great fit for me. That's great. It, it, did you always know, did you always have that calling for ministry? You know, I I really did, Since and it's kind of weird, really, since seventh grade, I think I identified it. Um, I grew up um, as a pretty compassionate kid. I didn't grow up as a pastor's kid. Actually, my parents would kind of use church as babysitter until we got into like middle school. Then they started coming (laughs) to church too. Um, They would send us, you know, how churches have VBS. Um, There were seven of us kids and they would send us to a different VBS at a different church every week during the summer um, as like free childcare. So when some churches did the same curriculum, we already got to the VBS knowing the VBS songs <laughs> because of the other churches we had gone to for their vacation Bible school. So, um, but I think from a young age, um, my mother and grandmother really co- created in me kind of a heart of compassion. 
And um, I remember my mom's boyfriend's mother at one time said, gave me a Bible when I was five and said, if you ask Jesus into your heart, he'll be your best friend, you know. And so I remember praying that night with the Bible in my hand and, and really did feel the presence of God at five years old. And um, kind of went through there. My mom got remarried and um, lived in a blended family. He had four kids. My mom had two, and then they had one together. And, um, you know, we had a great childhood, but like most blended families, it's not always easy. And church at that point um, really, really became a place of kind of refuge and sanctuary for me. And and I really enjoyed it. We had a great youth group. And in seventh grade, my youth pastor asked me to be a part of a group of students who would read through the Bible for a whole year. And that's really when I got to know who this Jesus was that my mother's ex-boyfriend's mother told me about when I was five. And I thought, wow, um, this, this guy really is a person of peace and a person of integrity and who cares for people. And that's that's kind of what I want my life to be about. And um, so I was baptized that year and um, I told my youth pastor, I really want to help lead other people to know um, this way of life. And she said, I think that's, and I said, I want to be a youth pastor. She said, that's great, but I think you'd be a great pastor. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm going to be a youth pastor. I'm going to work with youth and maybe I'll do music. And then when I got into college, I had some opportunities to preach at a camp and, um, had a bunch of friends there that sought like pastoral counseling from me. And at, by the end of the summer, many friends came to me and said, I hope you know you're supposed to be a pastor. And um, then I kind of accepted the call and um, God has just opened so many doors since then. Um, and growing up in youth group, um, we were part of a youth group that didn't do too many ski trips, but did lots of mission trips. And so um and you know, faith and action was a huge part of my Christian formation and how I really understood what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, that, Amen. you know, we, we not only have faith and, and, you know, know scripture and worship God, but part of our worship to God is our service to others. And, um, and so, so, yeah, it was a huge formative piece. And so there's a verse in Matthew that says, you know, Jesus says, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. And yes. that's always been a cornerstone verse in my life um, related to the homeless ministry. Um, a few years ago, I heard about a sculptor from Canada, and he created um, a statue based on the verse of Jesus as a homeless person lying on the bench. And um, he had the first one in Canada, and then people around the world said, can you create a statue like this for us? And so now there's, I think, 71 statues of the homeless Jesus bronze. It's a lifestyle, and it has a bench, and there's a person laying on it covered in cloth, and you only see his feet, and his feet have holes in it. Um, and so that's kind of how you know that it's Jesus. It's kind of the holes of the crucifixion. And so he actually contacted um, our church after a while once he learned that we um, did homeless ministry and asked if we could um, purchase and install the statue and be the location for the city of Miami. And so we accepted the task, and that was also installed last week in honor of Dr. Hudson, who started that first clinic. So um, I think, you know, it's, I've been blessed to be a part of churches and to lead with people who also understand um, that faith is is to be lived out um, 
with your neighbor. And right. so that's been just a huge blessing. And seeing that statue every day, I know, will continue to remind us, even when we're in a nice new building, of our primary call, um, which is to, to love God and to serve others. And so, um, so yeah, it's been it's been such a blessing. And like I told you in the beginning, it's kind of like an onion how things have kind of yes. peeled and <laughs> um, unveiled. And I think that you know part of part of our story is a story of risk and courage. The people in our congregation, two of them, actually were the architects for our current building. They're brothers, and the building that we're in now is the only building they worked on, the, the two of them and their father, who's an architect. And they are on our committee to redevelop the church. And they really believe um, in, in God's mission downtown and are willing to let the building be torn down um, as long as it means that a church will continue to proclaim the message of Christ and God's love downtown. Um, which I think is really remarkable and courageous. And so part of what I'm learning is that when I do take a step out in faith, you know, whatever it is, whether it's in church or my personal life or that, that oftentimes the doors do open and um, the layers come off and little by little we're, you know, we're able to kind of uncover um, a greater, greater destiny for for us and so that's been a neat lesson to learn through this because we don't always know where the next step will be we don't always have the answers but we trust that god will provide a way um absolutely and so that's been that's been really a great lesson to learn personally you know as a pastor so often we preach these things and um, we're so so busy preaching and preparing a sermon and maybe visiting some people that this work of courage and vulnerability and just putting ourselves out there and leadership um, sometimes gets lost. And um, so it's been great for me personally to also walk with a congregation through um, a courageous process and, and learning again to trust in God and the people around me um, to, to continue to fulfill, you know, God's plan. So. Right. And, and it sounds like you have a good understanding of our limitations, you know, as, as human beings, you know, I, I tell people all the time, um, first of all, one of my favorite scriptures, you know, Proverbs three, five, trust the Lord with all of your heart, not on your own understanding, because there's so many things for us as human beings that, you know, our capacity to understand certain things is very limited and many things we need to turn to our faith. But, you know, the, the second part of that that I always try to remind people um, is that, you know, you can pray for anything you want, but if it's not God's will, it's not going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. God knows what you need, and he's going to provide what you need, and he's going to pr- take care of your needs, but not all of your wants. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and, and that's always a humbling lesson for us. Because uh, people just think like, well, you know, I'll just I'll pray for this and, you know, and it'll come come to be. And that's not always the case. It's It's got to be, you know, you need to pray for knowledge of God's will and the power to carry that out. Because unless you yeah. know God's will and, and, you know, have some understanding of it, you could be uh, going going against the current. <laughs> 
Right, um, which is not, and that's what I tell people all the time. Like oftentimes we do, we um, choose kind of maybe a different path or, you know, a, a mutated path from possibly what could be ours. And, and that's an okay path, but it might not be the best path that God has right. for us. So um, right. I think I have a little sign in my um, office that says, God answers all prayers. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it. So I think, you know, I think God sometimes has a sense of humor and definitely yes. laughs at some of our prayers. Um, and so like you're saying, I think our, our big job is to listen. Um, yeah. And which is why, why we worship in part um, to both yeah. talk to God and listen to God. Yep. I, I need you to yeah. send me a photo of that sign. <laughs> oh, I will. I will. I got it in a gas station in Texas. <laughs> Leave it to the I Texans to give God a sense of humor. I love it. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, I, I, I know. I know that you're. You know, you're you're doing your work down in Key West. So let me know if if we're we're running low on time. I just wanted to talk real briefly about your book. Sure. If, you, if we have a quick moment. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So Fresh Expressions, um, the, the, the term is actually the name of a movement, um, which was started in England. And it was started about 20 years ago by the Church of England, who saw a major decline in their church. And then the British Methodist Church also saw a major decline. And under the leadership of um, Graham Cray and some other bishops at the time, um, they really said, you know, our movement here as Christians needs to be missional. And we need to go out into our community rather than waiting for people to come in. And um, which I think was a pretty bold move because still even in England today, you have parish priests and they're paid by the government and, you know, um, so in some ways people are tied to it, you know, whether you like it or not. Um, but they still have this sense that they need to go out into the community and be church in a different way. Um, they did a lengthy study and kind of created different, um, sects of people dependent on how they viewed the church. So there were, um, you know, none. So people at that time who actually had no faith ever in their life, never went to church, never went to temple, never nothing. Then there were those that were duns who had had faith before and somehow were done with church and left the church. So then they created other little sectors, you know, those that were opened um, to church and those that were closed to church and um, then worked through the Holy Spirit to find ways of being church. And so worked towards um, redeveloping ministries in one way or another. They, uh, we really see fresh expressions in Florida um, as catalyzing forms of church with new people and new places and new ways. And so in the United Methodist Church, our slogan is open hearts, open doors, and open minds. But what we realized, like the Church of England, is that our doors could be open all day long, but the staggering statistics say that people are not coming through them. 
Right. And so if people are not coming into our buildings, we need to be going out to where people are. Um, and it's a bit more complex than that. So we do Fresh Expressions' goal is to reach new people um, with the faith um, and in new ways. So there's bar church, there's coffee house church, there's yoga chapel, which I lead. Um, and some of these events are held in church doors, like in big cities. People oftentimes are used to going into church buildings for other things at this point, just because the need for space. So most downtown churches host rotary groups and all sorts of other things. So in a downtown church, people might go into a church um, for something else, um, but maybe in other other places they won't. And so it's really focused on um, – you know, bringing faith and bringing church out into community spaces. And we talk a lot um, about third spaces. And so in the 50s, really your life was divided into three places. Your work, your home, and your church was often your third place. And today that is not um, the case. Today there is your work, your home, and then, Michael, what what might you call another third space in our society uh, could, today where people find themselves a lot of time? Well, you know, it could be uh, family. Family, and, totally. And, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the gym, the gym has become a third space where people go, you know, whether yeah. it's CrossFit yeah. or wherever, and that's where they connect. They even yeah. will say, this is my CrossFit family, you know, or the Starbucks is a third space sure. um, or the bar is a third space or the yoga studio. So kind of that third space where we spend most of our time. And so really we aim to kind of enter into those third spaces toward, with people of peace, people who are part of those third spaces already and could really be a bridge to um, meeting people where they are. Um, so in Florida, we started Fresh Expressions um, by teaching pastors and laypersons um, about it and then maybe a little bit about how to begin a Fresh Expression, um, which a lot of that is just prayer and getting to know your community. And now um, we have 110 Fresh Expressions um, so around the state of Florida, and we're hoping to grow that number to 500 by the year 2025. And That's so we're wonderful. excited about these little micro churches and um, church is going to be different in the future. Um, we now have over 700 churches in the United Methodist church in Florida. And our Bishop says by 2025, he suspects that we'll have 500 fresh expressions and 500 churches. So there will be a lot of church buildings that close, um, but there'll be a lot more of these incarnational communities that pop up um, called fresh expressions. Um, you know, each of them have a different name. Um, but it's been a really beautiful thing to see. There's one of my favorite ones recently comes out of the St. Pete area, and there's a man who goes to a church there. He's a layperson, and he's a woodworker. And he started, he has a little wood shop in town, and he's retired, and he just kind of does this in his free time. And he's been making toys for the police department to give out to homes um, when they go to like a domestic right. violence call. And then some other people, some other retired guys said, hey, I want to help you. And he said, yeah, great. Well, why don't we just form a group? And he said, actually, you know, I really want this to be a faith-based group. I do this because of my, my faith. 
So if you want to come, that's fine, but we're going to break and have coffee and a little devotion, um, if that's okay. And they said, oh, sure, sure. So, you know, now there's over 25 men that meet twice a week in this workshop. And most of the men have not been to church in 30 or 40 years since they got married. And this little workshop has become their church. They come two times a week. They pray with one another. They read scripture and they're missional. They make stuff for other people and give it away to, to make the world a better place. And right. um, so, I, I mean, it's just incredible to me when I hear these stories of people just being inspired to, to you know, do what they love and do it for others and include, you know, um, a direction towards God in the midst of it. So it's it's a very exciting, very exciting work. So. Um, and and you that's know really and, what and, fresh expressions is and our book came out of our bishop wrote a blog like ten of them and they were so good because he wrote them from his perspective and he just turned sixty himself and kind of for him in his lifetime where Sunday used to be a sacred day where no one worked and nothing was open and within his lifetime that's changed right. and um, him talking about being in North Carolina to speak at an event and one Sunday morning he's in the hotel lobby, and it's full, and it's full of people getting ready for their soccer game that they've traveled to, and full of people working at the hotel. And he said, you know, where are people on Sundays? They're, most of them are not in church anymore, and other things are open. And what does that mean for us? And right. so it's not um, shaming in any way of the church, but just kind of acknowledging the reality um, in a very factual basis. It's adapting. It's adapting exactly. to... societal needs i mean because exactly in in a lot of households you know one salary is not enough so you know uh with the economy the way it is there are you know some households where majority of the households where both parents are working to support the household and in some cases one of those parents will actually have more than one job so you know Sunday may be the only pocket of time they have for a few hours to, you know, exactly. take care of things in the house and, you know, see the family. So right, uh, you know, get the weekend homework done. Yeah, and, yeah, right. All of that. So, mm-hmm. so th- this is a this is a modern approach to connecting with people and and kind of right. you know uh, some some. Uh, religious faiths kind of I'm trying to be diplomatic here, but I'm just going to say it that they, they kind of try to guilt their, their followers, their, their, their congregations. They try to guilt them into, you know, well, you know, if you don't go to church on Sunday, you know, this is what's going to happen. And, you know, you can't be in communion with us if you're not attending regular service, but, you know, it's important to realize that these families have a lot of challenges before them. And if we can exactly. reach them in other ways, in, in those, other, you know, like expressions, if we can reach them in other ways, whether it be at the gym or at the community center, or at the community pool, you know, uh, let's do exactly. it. Let's, let's bring the church to them. 
That's right, because church could really happen anywhere. And I think that that's really good news for us to hear today because, yes. um, you know, like I told you about our building, I mean, not everyone has a valuable piece of property, um, but we did. And we realized our building, you know, it was, it was eating us alive. I mean, the largest portion of our budget every year as a church went to our building. Sure. And that's, that's a sin, you know, and I think, and so, and really our building was being used by our church only 10 hours a week. Every other wow. hour it was, you know, Miami-Dade College or people we were renting it to. So we're spending half of what we're getting on our building. Right. And so that's where we really said, this isn't faithful. And, you know, we, we have a specific situation where we're downtown and our property is worth a lot, but we said, we need to be creative with this. We need to, how can we do more good with what we have? And that's really right. what stewardship is all about. And yes. so we said, okay, well, okay, if we can sell the property for this amount, then this amount on building within the new facility, because that, you know, is very important for many of our older membership that we actually have a space to come to. Um, but that also um, we have a large endowment that will continue funding programming of the church um, for on to the future um, for a hundred years to come and to perpetuity because um, living downtown, we have people come in and they move out all the time. It's almost like a college ministry every four years, you know, you have people move into downtown and you have them moving out. And so we needed a sustainable income to continue the programs of the church and specifically the missional programs of the church. And so it was a great and wonderful and creative way, a different expression of church for sure to be able to, you know, redevelop our building. And I think there are so many opportunities for that around the country in downtown communities and in other kind of communities. Um, you know, even there's a church in um, England who's a part of the Fresh Expressions movement, and they had five people that were members of that church. That was all that was left, five people. Wow. And so – you know, I think one of their supervisory role pastors came in and said, you all need to discern a way forward because this is not working. And this is how you could do it. Begin to listen to your community, pray together once a week, read scripture and try and find a way to, to, to make a future for yourself. Because if not, we right. just need to close you down. And so they did, and they took it seriously. And what they heard in their community is that we have no place for our children to play. There is no playground. And so what they did is they gutted their sanctuary, and they made a child indoor playground where families could come and host birthday parties for their kids, and families can come and just pay $5 an hour to drop their kid off and have them play and and. And so what's been amazing is that people have come into the church through this indoor playground than they ever did when it was simply a place to come and worship. And now it's also a place to come and play for kids. And now they started Sunday services in the kids' play gym. And now they have over 50 people in their worship services. (laughs) Praise God. That's perfect. I know. And so it's just a wonderful way of how the church repurposed their building and um, listened to God, and and you know what's so amazing is what what did God say? Like open up your church, 
Reach out right. to everyone. Provide a place for your community. You know, so often we think of God as someone who, uh, you know, a big guy in the sky who's just angry at everyone. But more and more when churches are listening to God, they're hearing God say, open up. Um, right. make, your, make your, tear up the walls down, you know, embrace your community, whoever they are, wherever they're at. And so I think that's the message that we hear God speaking to us through fresh expressions. Um, and so it's, it's been a wonderful experience and we're willing to help out any church that, that wants to kind of open their hearts in that direction or any faith leader, whether you're Christian or Jewish or whatever. Um, right. God's call is, you know, to help um, reach our community. So we're, you know, we're definitely willing in any way to, to work with a church that might sense a call towards um, redeveloping in some way, reimagining their future. Um, Wonderful. I'm so, going to order a copy. Yes, I'm order a copy definitely of the book. do. And it really, it's, it's six chapters. It's very short. People are like, oh, you wrote a book. I'm like, it's the shortest book ever written. <laughs> so, <laughs> not a huge accomplishment. But it's six short chapters, and it really, and they're broken up into two sub-chapters, and it really functions almost, you could do it with a group of people, which is helpful. And I actually did it with our church in a Sunday school, and that was very helpful for our church, especially the Sunday school members um, who I did it with were all over, you know, 60, 65, and um, it really helped to generate, and this is our purpose, to help generate conversation. Right. Um, and and I think that's the first step to change is conversation. And so that's Absolutely. really, I think the book just helps us think and um, about who can we collaborate with? How can we reach out? We don't have to do this alone. Um, right. And so what we found is that oftentimes the people we've been scared to work with, um, we work with them and we collaborate with them, um, such as developers or other nonprofits, and we find that our ministry is just multiplied. And um, so that's just been an incredible thing to witness, that actually we don't have to do it alone, that we're stronger together, that working with other people actually blesses us, and it blesses them. And so that's been a real gift. Right. I want to thank you so much for for joining us today, and I, I, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day, um, you know, to, to share uh, your experience with us. Um, I want to give the website out to your church, which is firstchurchmiami.org. Um, if you want to watch an online worship service, you can do that at the First United Methodist Church of Miami website, which is firstchurchmiami.org. Uh, you can also donate, uh, not only to the church, but if you want to donate to this wonderful uh, program uh, with the homeless showers, uh, please, please. Uh, you know, th there's so much that comes out of this, touching so many lives with the homeless showers. I mean, it's just it's amazing, amazing. Um, yeah, I also and every want to, gift want to, is tax deductible. So that's right. People can remember that. Yeah. That's right. I also want to thank uh, Victoria Randolph Shorten from One Lifestyles for arranging this for us and, and connecting us, Audrey. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, just coming out of, uh, out of the U.K., 
there was an incident that just happened uh, within while while we've been on the show uh, mm-hmm. near London's Natural History Museum, a car collision uh, where a number wow. of pedestrians have been injured. Um, it's still preliminary reports, so we don't know uh, you know what happened, but we do know that someone is in custody, a male is in custody. Uh, who was driving the vehicle. And again, numerous pedestrians have been injured, and that's by London's uh, museum. So prayers going out to them as well. Um, Again, Audrey, thank you so much for coming. Uh, We've had a wonderful time. I appreciate you coming on the show. I hope to visit your church in the very near future. And, uh, you know, any any way that I can help, Please let me know. Uh, we're connected Wonderful. now. Wonderful, we do. So. Yes, and you know, people too. Like you said, go to the website. You can give, or you can also give your time or give resources. So just connect with us. Write us a little note, um, and we can connect you with whatever you have to give. And I just thank you, Michael, for having me on the show, and thanking our good friend Victoria Randolph, who's also a member of our church and. She's a wonderful force for good. She's yeah. She's an, an incredible woman. So it has such yes. a heart for mission and for others. Um, she has her own orphanage in, in India that she helped to start. I did not and know so, that. Yes. I did not know yes. that. You should have her on one time to talk about it. But oh. she really has a great way of getting the word out and, and getting people together. And that's what it's about, coming together to do good. So Yes. So yeah, yeah, and and she's also very humble about it. And so humble, yes. Yes. So humble about everything, so, her work, her businesses, her, her yes. good deeds. So she's incredible, incredible woman, incredible force. Yeah, I I, I world, met her. So. I met her years ago, um, when uh, she was uh, teaching at FIU as a yes. visiting professor. And uh, wow. and my my niece was in one of her classes, and I went to an event, and that's when I met How her. Awesome! Yeah. How awesome! Yeah. yeah, she's she's wonderful, and you know I think as I do believe that um, that good is more powerful than evil, and um, as we can hear about yeah. these events, continue to claim that in our day and in our world that. That that good is more powerful than evil. Sometimes evil gets the headlines, um, right? But we we have to believe that is to, to continue. So, yeah, absolutely. And thank you for for all your work and all you're doing here on this blog um, talk radio. It's just incredible. So well, thank you, thank you, and uh, God bless you and and your work and everything that you're doing. And uh, I know we'll be in touch soon. Yes, we will. Thank you, Michael. God bless you and all your listeners. And Thank um, you. I'm sure we'll see each other again. Okay, bye-bye. All right. Be well. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Uh, we had uh, some wonderful guests on today. We had Dania Collazo with Team Daniela's Foundation, and it was wonderful hearing about uh, their work as well. And, uh, and of course, uh, the Reverend Dr. Audrey Warren um, from First United Methodist Church of Miami, uh, just doing some amazing things down there. Um, if you have if you have an opportunity to go by the church, it's 
to 400 Biscayne uh, down in Miami, 400 Biscayne Boulevard in Miami, Florida. And uh, go to their website, firstchurchmiami.org. Um, and, you know, we've, uh, we've had another great show, and I, I want to thank all the listeners, um, all those that have sent in messages, and uh, I've gotten a bunch of text messages here and messages through our show page on Blog Talk Radio. We appreciate you. We appreciate you being a part of this. And, uh, you know, if you have an idea uh, for an upcoming show, uh, send us a message through the show page. And, um, you know, with everything that we have been through in our country, and, of course, there's there's the whole, uh, which we didn't even talk about, the whole issue with the national anthem and the NFL and, and that whole controversy, um, I think it's an appropriate time for us to end the show with the national anthem. And we're going to do it. Um, the national anthem being sung by by my dear friend Janine Stang, national anthem girl, uh, who sings the national anthem all over the country and proudly does so and also supports our military service folks. Um, I think now is a time to honor our country and to show the rest of the world that we are the United States. And we will overcome anything, you know, that's that's thrown at us. So we're going to go to the national anthem. Thank you so much for tuning in and uh, stay tuned for our next show. Uh, keep uh, keep tuning into the show page to find out when the next show will be. OK, thank you. God bless. Bye bye. Stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight. All the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming, and the rockets. Thank you.